This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Duncan. And as I say, it's been a pleasure to, to sit with you around the hearth and to sit and match our hearts together, which, as you say, takes us beyond any space or time that might limit us. And it is such a pleasure to have the opportunity to be with you in Living Dialogues. And, and I am so grateful for the work you're doing, and to not only now, but your own inner work and the work that I know you're here to do for the future. From time immemorial, beginning with indigenous councils and ancient wisdom traditions, through the work of Western visionaries such as Plato, Galileo, and quantum physicist David Bohm, mutually participatory dialogue has been seen as the key to evolving and transforming consciousness, evoking a flow of meaning, a dia flow of logos meaning, beyond what any one individual can bring through alone. So join us now as together with you, the active deep listener, we evoke and engage in living dialogues. Welcome to Living Dialogues. I'm your host, Duncan Campbell. And with me for this particular dialogue, I'm truly delighted to have as my guest, Christine Page, MD. She began her medical practice in London in 1978 and combined it with homeopathy in 1989. She is an international seminar leader on subtle energy and energy medicine, having created a three-level training program to enhance the power of intuition for healthcare professionals. She is the author of Frontiers of Health, How to Heal the Whole Person, and Spiritual Alchemy. She lives in California with her husband. She is also, in another manifestation, as a Renaissance woman, the author of 2012 and the Galactic Center, The Return of the Great Mother. And she has recently returned from an extraordinary pilgrimage to Greece and Turkey, also with her husband. And I just want to read an appreciation by Carolyn Mace, known to many of you, regarding 2012 and the Galactic Center, The Return of the Great Mother. Of this, Carolyn Mace says, quote, a masterpiece of ancient wisdom and truth that is so compelling that you cannot put the book down. Rarely does a book come along that reads as if it is a text directly from an ancient mystery school. But 2012 and the Galactic Center qualifies for that status. It truly is a must-read. Close quote. And Carolyn, of course, Carolyn Mace, has been a guest several times here on Living Dialogues. And I will just begin then by welcoming you, Christine, very warmly to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me into this, what feels like a sitting room where I can sit and talk with you, Duncan, and for the wonderful work you're doing, especially for the conference that's coming up. Well, thank you, Christine. That's very much appreciated. And I do feel that way as well with you, that what we're creating here in the conference you're referring to, the great gathering that will take place in Fort Collins, Colorado, on May 29 and 30, entitled 2012 Now, Empowering the Transformation, is really a convocation of 
friends, of participants uh, being in dialogue with each other, uh, whether we're speaking from the stage or whether people are gathering in groups of four or five at the extended celebratory break that will happen during midday on Saturday of the conference to be followed by an initiation and celebration ritual led by Saban Fusome and a concluding dialogue. And finally, a feast together where we all mingle and celebrate on the evening of Saturday. That would be May 30. The dialogues that we're having right now, this is the final one in what we have called a series of seven pilgrimage dialogues reminiscent in its own way, a 21st century version of Geoffrey Chaucer's Canterbury Tales from the Middle Ages, where he depicted there the group of pilgrims making their way from London by foot to Canterbury to be together at the Cathedral of Thomas a Becket. And as they wended their way toward Canterbury, they would stop in inns and break bread together, and share stories. And so this is one of the most powerful transformational vehicles that exists in our human species. It is the power of shared stories that goes right back to the very origins and beginnings of our species. And so I'm really delighted that you're experiencing it, as I am, Christine, as a kind of a conversational intimacy here. And we can feel, as you and I have already spoken, the virtual presence of the people that will, in fact, be listening to this particular dialogue in Kronos time, maybe a week from now, maybe a year from now. But their presence is already felt here in Kairos time, we might say beyond the measurable chronology of time and space in its normal sense. They're actually present here and they're evoking from us this kind of familial atmosphere as if we were around a a fire Mm -hmm. millennia ago and uh, sharing stories in the bardic way. And Mm. so with that uh, setting, I would like to invite you to share the unique stories that you possess, as we all possess unique stories, in a fresh baked bread kind of way from this most recent journey that you and your husband have made with a group to Greece and Turkey. And let's begin that way because the principles we're going to be talking about, about the father and the mother energies coming together in alignment, sacred marriage, creativity, transformation, and our access to that deep passionate inspiration of our creative essence are all something that you have just recently experienced in a very particular way. And then we will lead from there into talking about uh, the phenomenon of 2012. Mm, Wonderful. I always feel that as we're sitting around that fire, uh, one of the the thoughts that I have of these times are such a time of remembering and, and how we, when we do listen to other people's stories, some pieces may just glide by us. They just mean nothing to us, maybe nothing at that moment. But at other times, it's like that spark coming out the fire. Something sparks inside us, and sometimes even we miss the end of the story because we've been inspired to go somewhere else in our own dream state. And I think that's been my journey, that I was very fortunate to be brought up amongst very strong, wise women uh, to the extent that they were seen as being fae, which is a Scottish word for being psychic or intuitive. And I spent most of my life amongst very strong and uh, impressive women who did not need to do anything else except for be themselves. And I learned that self-respect 
uh, as I was growing up, my father had that same respect for women. And I was also very fortunate to have two parents who loved traveling. And so we traveled uh, many places as a young child. It was easy for me to go from England across to Europe, and we traveled to Greece and Turkey when I was young and many times indeed. And I have probably traveled to many parts of the world now, uh, visiting often the indigenous peoples, but also as part of my own journey as a doctor, being able to really tap into the peoples of the world uh, at a level which I couldn't have done just as a tourist. I was allowed into people's not only homes but hearts because of my career. And the recent journey of into Greece and Turkey was one that we planned uh, two years ago to go there with my husband, Leland, and I, because we'd taken groups to New Zealand and to England and to Peru and to Hawaii, but it felt that the place that Greece and Turkey are now holding very importantly for the world, are a place where the masculine and feminine, or maybe two different cultures, you could say a more Christian culture uh, versus a more Muslim culture, uh, the borders between perhaps Eastern Europe and even the Middle East and Europe, these two countries hold it very delicately. And we wanted to take a group of people who would understand this marriage that's taking place not only between different cultures or male and female, but within all of us at this time, the marriage of opposites, uh, that diversity that needs to now be brought together into unity. And when we were there, we experienced uh, both the masculine and feminine within both cultures. But it was very interesting to notice how the Greek culture, which still lives very much uh, based on the patriarchal rising that occurred during the classic period of uh, Greek under um, civilization was still very strong. It didn't mean that it was still uh, out of balance. The women there are very strong. But as you walk amongst the sites in Greece, you get the sense of what was there before. We could be talking 2,500 B.C., um, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, this sense of that there was more of a balance between the male and the female. And in fact, the feminine, the vessel of the feminine, the power of the feminine was valued. And that the masculine did come in and say, I cannot give the, that much power to the feminine. And it was very obvious by seeing how the sites that were to maybe Athena or to Artemis had in many ways been allowed to go to ruin. Uh, some of the great sites, like the Eleusian Mystery Site that lasted for 1,500 years, now is one of the biggest oil refinery places in the Mediterranean. And, and where the other sites, which perhaps were more in honor of Zeus or Apollo, had uh, been cared for with greater, uh, greater care. As we moved into Turkey, uh, I, we were surprised just how strong the feminine was in Turkey. Uh, one could say that we have maybe different views of the Muslim uh, appreciation of the feminine, but in fact the feminine was very strong and very present, and there was much more of a balance between the masculine and feminine, and we were surprised. And one of the things that I had learned as I was writing the book, that in fact that Muslim culture is the only culture that still has a fully lunar calendar, where the Chinese and the Hebrew both have a solar lunar calendar. It is the reason why they have the crescent moon as their symbol, 
because this is representing the, the, the lunar calendar that's still in place. And we managed to go to one site where we actually came across an image of a great mother, which was a very portly figure of this very large lady. But there she was with her hand on two animals. One is thought to be a leopard, one thought to be a lion, very much symbolizing the power of the above and below that this great mother had. And these symbols or this image comes from a site just outside Konya in Turkey. And the site is showing that this is 8,000 years ago, that this worship of this great mother or this honoring of her was in that way 8,000 years ago. And I think just one of the last things I want to say is that what was so interesting was that when they dug up these images, they found no weapons buried with her, no signs of sacrifice, which suggests that 8,000 years ago in that part of the world, there was not war, there was not a need to defend yourself. And this really tells me that we need to change some of our history books that may be saying that we come from a place of savages and we're now evolving into a more enlightened group. Perhaps we have perhaps uh, come from a place of more enlightenment, more harmony, and we are now moving back to that place uh, in our history now. And so that's so interesting, Christine, because indeed at this time in history, at the beginning of the 21st century, there are many prophecies that are coming into play from different traditions all around the world. Not only the Mayan with 2012 and the Galactic Center, or alternatively the end of the Long Count calendar and the debate over how those two relate, is not really what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the fact that there is a moment in time that everywhere on the planet there are stories and prophetic visions that are converging at this time in history about a great transformation to take place, whether it's Nostradamus, whether it's John in the book of Revelation in the Bible, whether it's from the Asian Shambhala tradition, any number of prophecies are predicting that this is a time of great potential consciousness transformation. And we can tell that from our own felt experience. And if we needed any reminding, of course, (laughs) the events of the last several months and the last year of 2008 with a great financial collapse have brought this home to many people everywhere on the planet. And so the question really is at this point to keep as I see it, and I think as you see it, and as we're creating in this conference, to keep our eye on the forest rather than the trees, to see the larger emerging possibilities from a perspective of understanding the very nature of transformation itself. And in that transformation, the role of the feminine, and particularly the archetype of the Great Mother, is of course primary. As C.G. Jung said in the middle of the 20th century, all transformation always passes through the body or the embodiment of the feminine. And this has been one of your great passions throughout your life, Christine, is not only how to hold the space for nurturing in your medical and in your healing work, but also how to hold the space for transformation. In your many travels around the world, as in mine, we have both had the privilege of entering into a deep dialogic space with people everywhere on the planet, on all the continents and in various indigenous 
tribal situations and cultures. And so what I think I'd like to invite you to do now is to talk about the perspective of what you see evolving at this point in time, particularly with respect to 2012 and the Galactic Center, what that womb of the Milky Way and its alignment with our Earth and our solar sun of our solar system could have as a metaphorical deep meaning for all of us and what you mean by the return of the Great Mother. Yes, thank you. Because, you know, when we look at the Galactic Center, and of course this has come mainly from the Mayas, but many traditions see the galaxy as the Great Mother. Some see it as a serpent or a jaguar. But they see the center of the galaxy, which is this place where we are aligning to, as the heart of the Great Mother. And I think when I read that or I experienced that, it drew me in recognizing that this is a time where we are connecting to something, this heart, this connection that goes from the heart of the galaxy to the heart of ourselves. And that this time of reconnecting to that heart allows us to recognize that through the heart we literally reach into a time of timelessness, a, a place where anything is possible. And what I feel is when we make that connection, we go through the heart and we experience what the Great Mother has to offer, which is an ocean of possibilities, a potentiality that says you can come here and experience anything. But be aware that whatever you bring in your intention, in your mind, is what you will create. And so what I see this time is about is being a, a, being a clearing time, a time where we recognize that do the thoughts that we have align to our heart? Are they, the, are they pure to our heart's intention? And it allows us to see that just as we had initially a thought and we brought that into manifestation as an inspiration and we created a reality, it is now a time to accept into our hearts all those things that we've created over not just this life but many lives. And that once we accept them and gain the wisdom from them, glean the wisdom, we no longer need to hold on to the story. And so in sharing our stories, which is what we're going to do at this gathering, we're going to have the opportunity to not only share a story, but literally have our story mirrored back to us in, by the listeners. And in that, we gain the wisdom. Because it isn't the story or the creation of that story that's important. It's, but why did we create it in the first place? And when we gain the wisdom, we become much more powerful in our hearts to be able to manifest a new world, to create that new world, to give a birth to something new. So these times I see as times of both birth and death. And primarily at this time, I see us in a dissolving pattern, in a, a dying pattern. Dying not being a bad thing, but dying as in making clear or simplifying our life so that we can make way for the new. And it isn't that the new is going to come from somewhere else. It's going to come from our heartfelt experiences, our where does our, what does our heart want to take us towards? And that, for me, is what's so exciting at these times. 
That's beautifully stated, Christine, and it gives us a real deep, subtle understanding, I think, as we look at the world this way, because when we're talking about sharing stories at this particular upcoming gathering and the stories that you and I are sharing as an example of that in this very dialogue, we're talking about literally respecting and honoring the essence of the old stories. It's like honoring the full acorn that's in the inception of the great oak tree. It's like honoring what the Buddhists call Buddha nature, which is our fully formed perfection in potentia. And then we live out the narrative and we bring it to fulfillment. I'm thinking of Robert Bly in his collection of poems by the great ecstatic poet Rumi from eight centuries ago. He entitled it, The Soul is Here for Its Own Joy. And we can feel that impulse. We can feel it when we listen to what the Sufis call the Qadir, or that inner voice of our own heart. When we really listen at that level, when we let the mental chatter and ambition and surface narratives that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we need to achieve in life and so on, when we let that subside and we really tune in very deeply to the inner voice, the Qadir in our own heart, we actually access our own joy. We actually do a kind of soul dialogue with ourselves. I I think now of the great divine dialogue enshrined in the Bhagavad Gita from literally thousands of years ago, part of that great meta-narrative of the Mahabharata. And there it is, 750 stanzas approximately, where Krishna representing our deep self, our actual essence of the consciousness of all that is, is in dialogue with Arjuna, which represents the warrior of our small self, of our individual sense of who we are in our individuality, seeking to go beyond the limits of personality while still celebrating their strengths, but merging and realizing that, as Krishna says to Arjuna, you and I are one. There's a beautiful statement in the Bhagavad Gita where he says, Krishna, the voice of Krishna, which is really an inner dialogue that takes place in our own heart. Krishna says, Arjuna, I never manifest in the external world. I only manifest in the human heart. Mm, And then he says, creatures rise, creatures vanish. I alone am real, Arjuna, looking out amused from deep within the heart of every creature. I abandon no one, so never let me go, Arjuna. Always hold me close, because I am you more than you yourself are. So it's a beautiful sense that, yes, at one and the same time, each one of us has our beautiful uniqueness, and we are part and parcel connected in this great web of interconnected consciousness, which the Celts called the web of weird, W-Y-R-D. And it's coming to celebrate that essential weirdness, that essential sense of belonging to a greater whole and not what has come to be accepted as the norm by the conquering culture that took over the Celts, that sense of individual competition and domination and fragmentation and living in the mind but not in the body, all of that that has occurred in the last several hundred years 
is really not who we really are in our essence. Who we really are in our essence is Krishna, meaning we are part of the great unity consciousness. So when we come together in a gathering, like we are going to May 29 and May 30 in Fort Collins, Colorado, we will not be coming together to have people speak from the stage as authorities dispensing information and secrets to goslings willing to be fed. We will be coming together in a tremendous energy field of mutual respect and appreciation in which every single participant has a story to contribute to the amplification of that energy field. And we have structured the conference so that not only will the eight or nine presenters be sharing stories from the stage, but the participants will all be having an opportunity to break bread together in small groups and share their own stories, give voice to their own process and intentionalities together. And that will seed, S-E-E-D, the field for a great initiatic celebration that will occur Saturday afternoon to be led by Saban Fusome from Africa and followed by a dialogue in which everyone who has spoken from the stage will have an opportunity to do a brief sharing, and then we will open it up to an interactive dialogue with the entire gathering. And then finally, a great feast and celebration in the traditional fashion of mingling together and celebrating on the final evening on Saturday, May 30th. So it's in that context that When you speak about the sharing of stories involving uh, letting go of old stories, I like it very much because it means we're at a moment in time when we need to let go of old stories and old narratives that no longer serve. There are certain cultural, economic, social forms and narratives that we've lived through, but they no longer serve. And I believe that's the first part of the apocalypse. We know that the word apocalypse in its deep meaning means a revelation. It does not mean destruction or the end of the world. And so the first part of the revelation is indeed, as you say, death. It's the death of the old. Uh, The old is showing that it no longer serves. And as we see that, we let it go. And together we create a new and renewed narrative, a new story that is collectively engendered by our coming together in this kind of deep equality, not as people seeking leadership or redeemers or experts on the stage, but rather a genuine democratic, in the best sense of the word, celebration of spirit with each of us anchored in our own hearts. And so from that perspective, I'd like to invite you as we move through this dialogue, Christine, to at this point talk about the role of the great mother in transformation and how that experience is being re-evoked literally in the external drama of the cosmos itself. We're in what most of the people agree is a 36-year period where our Earth and our solar sun are in a traverse across what is called the alignment with the dark rift of the Milky Way, seen as the metaphorical vagina of the Milky Way leading to the internal womb of the cosmic great mother. So this is an alignment, we might say, a configuration in the sky that 
metaphorically represents a renewed opportunity to bring the masculine and feminine energies into a great creative alignment and together to create a new story. Absolutely. And I just as you're speaking, I, I feel this is such a time of remembering. And I, I will very much like to look at those three different qualities of the Great Mother found in every tradition. I think that's what's important, that uh, these aren't new ideas, that these are very ancient ideas. And sometimes we've just got them a little askewed. You know, when you look at the Great Mother, the, the heart of the Great Mother, the galactic center, it is believed that that's where we were born from and where we will return. And it's not important that people think, how could we be born from the stars, although many people believe we are. But to understand that the Earth is part of the galaxy, it's not something separate, just as the, the sun is like a cell of the galaxy, the cell of the Great Mother. So we are a cell of the Earth, which is a cell of the sun, which is a cell of the Great Mother, and it really is a, a symbolic way of describing our interconnectedness. And if you want to go beyond the galaxy, one can go into the universe, whatever that means nowadays. But here at the Great Mother, what I saw as I was writing the book, we were in these three phases. The, the virgin quality, which is found in every tradition of the triple goddess, is the quality which I define as the spiritual blueprint. It's quite interesting that the virgin has, of course, got other connotations if, uh, from a Christian point of view, but when I read that the word, the word virgin means to be complete unto yourself, yes, without the need for another to make you whole, I went, wow, what would that be like if every child, when they were born, was told, you are unique already, you are already complete, you do not need to compete or try to be like anybody else, and that we as your family will only be here to help you to become that unique individual. What a difference we'd make in the world if that was said. And so that spiritual blueprint to me is what we are here to manifest on earth and vice versa manifest back into heaven. So the virgin quality speaks to us through our hearts, through our intuition. She whispers sometimes, other times she hits us very hardly, hard on the head. <laughs> She's not always subtle. <laughs> But the intuition is saying, listen to your heart. Listen, because you already know that you're perfect. You already know the Christos, the, the Krishna, as you speak about, inside you. Just follow the way inside you. You know it. The second quality is the mother. And the mother, is, again, has been somewhat aligned more closely to the nurturing mother, the mother that will be the womb or the the container of your activities, I see as that. She very much is the cornucopia, the, the abundance. But it's quite interesting that the, she is also in many traditions related to the harvest. And when I looked at the harvest uh, concept, she's saying, don't forget to nurture yourself with your creation. Don't forget to eat the fruits of your endeavors. So not only are we the acorn, Remember that we need to embody the fruits. We need to celebrate ourselves. We need to have a harvest. And we often forget to eat the fruits of our endeavors because we're so busy going on to the next project. And then the third quality, which is the crone or the, the dark goddess, which is the one that many people, of course, have feared, 
the likes of Carly or Eusquigal, Lilith, Mary Magdalene, in fact, all of these are saying, here is the other side that says, where there is birth, there must be death. Because these two always go together. They travel together. And so death and birth are interrelated. And you cannot have one without the other. This is the quality of transformation. And I believe at this time, as we've spoken about, this breaking down of our stories is very much like the vulture, that, which is often aligned to this great god, dark goddess. And the vulture tears the flesh of our stories to get down to the bones. What are the gems? What are the, what's the wisdom that you experience? And I feel that I want to put over the point that this isn't about getting rid of your story because you as a highly evolved creative being, we create our stories. We created this for a purpose. And many of the times, the pieces that we will not share in a public gathering are the pieces that we have shame about or we have fear about. And I hope that at our gathering, we will open to the stories, not just of, I'm sure, wonderful experiences, but also wonderful experiences that have been shut away because somebody out there said it wasn't okay to do what we've done. And I'm seeing that it's when we bring those stories in from the dark, out of the shadows, back into our hearts, that we experience true enlightenment. And I know that's what Jung meant when he said, go into the shadows and bring out those pieces. It isn't darkness as in negative. It's those things that we share, feel ashamed to share. And so I hope that as we, we do share our stories, we'll have the courage to share those things that maybe we've kept in the darkness and that we will, with compassion and respect and honor, hear those stories without judgment and just say, there is another part of me because I too have that part within me. And that is the quality of the three qualities of this great mother who is returning. Love that has no boundaries, love that not, does not judge, and love that says, why would I ever want you to be less than you are? This is your time. Beautifully said, Christine, and what it reminds me of is Einstein's statement that the only question that matters is whether the universe is beneficent or not. And he answered that for himself based on his own felt experience in the affirmative and said, yes, the world is full of a basic goodness. In its essence, it is basically good. And it is that trustingness in the goodness of the universe uh, that allows us to actually trust then, as you say, in our own basic goodness, despite whatever narratives may have been told to us uh, in our upbringing or in our education or in our uh, being subjected through relentless consumer advertising through the television and the media to feel that we are lacking something important, that if only we could go and acquire a quality uh, uh, an object, a commodity of some sort, we would be complete. And what it reminds me of really quite amusingly is when I was walking the streets in Seattle in 1999 during the protest there involving the World Trade Organization meetings, 
I happened to see a group of women, five of them walking in the somewhat nippy northwestern air, actually. This was in October, November, so it wasn't exactly warm. It wasn't freezing either, but they were walking topless in the protest. Uh, And the reason was that one of them had put on her back the motto, better naked than Nike'd. And I thought it was so clever and interesting because it said we do not need to be ashamed of our nakedness and also that we are complete in our nakedness, that we come in already fully perfect. We do not need to adorn ourselves with commercial products in order to enhance our image or to somehow be worthy of association with life itself. And so it was a profound statement said in a very humorous and lighthearted and rather exotic way that really communicated, I thought, very powerfully. And it was five women, the feminine manifesting that level of confidence in the body and in our embodiment. And that is so often the role of the feminine and the great mother and the mother. And in that context, I want to quote a wonderful passage from your book that I resonated with completely. Your story and my story are the same in this way. And I'm sure everyone in our audience will resonate with this as well. And I'm going to quote it here from the conclusion of your book. You say, going back into my early childhood, I remember a tunnel of light would lightly touch the top of my head as I lay in my cot at night. I felt no fear. Rather, I sensed the opening of a portal to a world I knew beyond this earth plane. With joy, I would find myself entering the tunnel and merging immediately with a field of energy, a kind of journey that felt like coming home. When I was old enough to tell my mother about these nightly visits, she said wisely, I don't know where you are going, but if you feel joy, follow your heart and you will find your path. What greater wisdom could a mother have shown to a child than that, your own mother and mine as well? And I'm sure many of our listeners, if not all of them, have had those moments of feeling completely complete and at one with this larger universe and have gotten encouragement from a form of the great mother, most likely our own mothers as well, to encourage us on our journey that, as Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. And by that, he didn't mean seek pleasure. He meant tune into that inner knowingness that we all have and accept and have confidence in these experiences that go beyond the limited conventional view of what's real, the measurable, the scientism that we all grew up with. You know, if you can't measure it, if you can't x-ray it, it doesn't exist. But we all know, as Rudolf Steiner predicted in the early part of the 20th century, that the great discovery for the human species in the end of the 20th and the beginning of the 21st century, he said, would be that the heart is not simply a muscle, that the heart has a profound wisdom and intelligence that is animating us at all times if we would only tune into it and listen to that voice. Science has now shown that the heart is an intimate, completely simultaneous communication with our brain neurons at all times, supporting whatever intentionality we have, just like the great mother, 
holds the space for our own exploration of the world, the ability to make mistakes, to correct ourselves, and so on. We're not pre-programmed in some robotic way. We're held, as one shaman put it, in the warm embrace of a great caring intelligence. We have room for free will. We have room to express ourselves in whatever way we choose. We have choice at every moment. And yet somehow this whole process can be lensed as a great beneficent journey. The soul is here for its own joy. And coming together with that understanding and that intentionality, we can listen to our stories where from the depths of our unconscious we can bring out not only things that we have been taught to repress because they're shameful maybe having this experience you've described of feeling in contact with a consciousness larger than the earth plane well if you said that to your childhood friends they might think you were somehow weird or kooky or strange so maybe a person would suppress that kind of experience and not share it we have known many great teachers and scientists who have held those stories to themselves and people in the medical profession because they didn't want to quote lose credibility so there is this opportunity now to be a real truth teller to say i am with people that i can relax and fully be who i really am with there is nothing fundamentally in my experience that is imperfect or to be ashamed of and not only that but the other aspect as well Christine, is that we have within our repressed unconscious also tremendous gifts to give. And there's a certain kind of shyness and an insecurity and a timidity that we can all fall prey to, to not want to shine too brightly. Maybe we really aren't worthy of doing it, or if we shine too brightly, people will be jealous and competitive. So this will also be an opportunity at this great gathering for us to speak literally from the heart and to share the gifts that we have in whatever form they come out. And what I have found in this experience of doing this in other environments like this conference that we are structuring this way is that as we tell our stories to an appreciative, deep listening audience of two or three or four people, we begin to see patterns in our own experience that we had not seen before. And we begin to have confidence in our own being and our own enthusiasm, our own engodedness to go forward. As your mother said, uh, follow your heart and you will find your path. And then you will discover that your path and the path of everyone else are all walking toward the same great celebration. And what an opportunity we will have to do all this together in this coming gathering at Fort Collins on May 29 and 30. But beyond that, the mere fact that you and I are acknowledging that this very dialogue is inspired and evoked by the people who will be listening to this in a few days or next year, that their presence is virtually already here beyond time, space, and the conventional sense, just like the non-locality of quantum physics. We are acknowledging that in the embrace of our larger community of a living universe, we are able to speak freely and to speak from the heart and to be seen and to give our gift and to give our sharing and our own contribution to a new story, a new great story for the planet and for the cosmos. Absolutely true. I, I love what you're saying there. And uh, it is just this ability, as you say, to to have that courage to speak out and to celebrate yourself. This is the time of celebration. I think a lot of people are feeling they've got to shut down or they have to live in poverty and be careful, be careful. This is not a time of contraction. This is a time of 
every morning waking up and celebrating the beauty around you or the beauty of your loved one or just the fact that you're alive, whatever it is that you want to celebrate, don't, don't, don't contract. Don't think of tomorrow. As I always saw with the Hawaiians, they always said, wake up and take nothing for granted today. So thank the sun for coming up and be, 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 just celebrate the, the birds singing because you never know about tomorrow, but today you do know. Live now in the heart. And the Native American saying, today is a good day to die, means as well, today is a good day to live. So that when we embrace the transience of all things by letting go of too tight an attachment to how we want things to be, it's a way metaphorically of recognizing that when we say, today is a good day to die. Today, I can let go. Today, I am complete. And in that, there's a tremendous affirmation of being able to meet whatever arises and for holding that space so beautifully in your healing work as a medical person, in your healing work as a soul and as a great journeyer and traveler like many of us and all of us here listening. I want to really honor you, Christine, for your being and not just for your outer work, but also for your inner work and who you actually really are, which you've shared so beautifully not only today in this living dialogue, but in your work. And it's been such a pleasure to spend time together in this living dialogue, living room, we might say. As you said at the beginning of this, you feel like we are in an intimate conversation doing a living dialogue in a kind of cosmic living room where we have room to breathe, to be ourselves, and to share back and forth, to see each other, to honor the great cosmic community of all that is that we're honored to be a part of. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Duncan. And as I say, it's been a, a pleasure to, to sit with you around the hearth and to sit and match our hearts together, which, as you say, takes us beyond any space or time that might limit us. And it is such a pleasure to have uh, the opportunity to be with you in Living Dialogues. And, and I am so grateful for the work you're doing and to, not only now, but your own inner work and the work that I know you're here to do for the future. Thank you, Christine. That is really heartfelt and very much appreciated. And I extend those very same sentiments out to all of our deep listeners. And in that vein, invite you to be with us as we continue this kind of global dialogue here on Living Dialogues. And also to invite you, should you have the opportunity to be physically present at this great upcoming gathering, May 29 and May 30 in Fort Collins, Colorado. If not, we're already part of it and it's already happening here now, just as we entitled the conference 2012 Now, Empowering the Transformation. See you then and see you again. 2012 Now, Empowering the Transformation, a uniquely innovative, interactive, and affordable gathering in this time of global uncertainty, will take place Friday night and all day Saturday, May 29 and 30, at the Lincoln Center for Performing Arts in Fort Collins. Beyond just information to practical tools for change and direct experience of participating in the ongoing transformation of our times, now is the time and the opportunity to synchronize consciousness with the evolutionary pulse of the cosmos. Join world-renowned speakers as we explore and experience together 
the transformative dynamics necessary for a successful transit from now through the year 2012 and beyond. Featuring Stanislav Grof, Richard Tarnas, John Major Jenkins, Saban Fusome, Duncan Campbell, William Henry, Robert Sittler, and Christine Page. More information available on the website www.unveiling2012.org. See you then. And visit us on my website, livingdialogues.com. That's living, D-I-A-L-O-G-U-E-S dot com. And if you'd like to listen freely to additional archived visionary dialogues with myself and other transformational thinkers listed on my livingdialogues.com website, once you have entered your subscription to the Living Dialogues podcast here on Personal Life Media, future Living Dialogues will automatically be downloaded to your computer on a weekly basis. Or simply browse through the list of programs here whenever you like, download them, or listen to them on your computer. Thanks again for your deep listening in evoking this program. All the very best. And stay tuned now after the music for some very interesting opportunities available to you as a listener to Living Dialogues. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.